Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 059. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, how would you feel if Jesus were about to save your child's life, then chose to stop so he could help someone else? If you're like me, you'd probably want to scream at him, do you dare or not? I'm guessing that's exactly the thought that ran through one father's head as this scenario played out. Jesus responds, probably not what you would expect. Let's check it out. You ever have a time when you look at life and you think, you know what, this just isn't fair? I mean, beyond just, you can't catch a break. I'm talking all the way to the point where it feels like life is taking all the bad breaks of the world, gathering them together, and dropping them at your doorstep. Not fair. You ever pray a prayer and you you hear the answer to it, but it's for somebody else? Like you prayed for healing, and somebody else got better. You prayed for the promotion, and somebody else got it. It's kind of like God missed the for me clause in your prayer. If you've ever had some of these kinds of experiences, and they always seem to come in waves, if your faith has ever made it that far, it can get to the point of asking a lot of questions. What more could I have done? Why did God choose them over me? Is Jesus loves the little children any more than just a nice little Sunday school ditty? It's a feeling that can burn like acid in your mouth. If you've ever been there, you know that. Today, the good thing is, we have an interesting set of one-on-one intersections between Jesus and two other people, one-on-one, in an interesting way that Luke puts a story together. They are coming from wildly different backgrounds. They're crazy different people. But they are very easy, albeit very scary, people to relate to. It's what I call the bookend story out of Luke 8, starting with verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Just then there came a man named Jairus, a leader from the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, who was dying. As he went, the crowds pressed in on him. Now there was a woman there who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years, And though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd to surround us and press in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Do not bother the teacher anymore. Let's pray. God, ending on a verse like that, it's hard to say thank you for your word, but thank you for your word. Help us to be transformed by it in the way only your Holy Spirit can do. Amen. Well, as I said, we have two wildly different yet very similar characters 
in this story going on. First off, we have Jairus. This man who is a leader. He's probably top dog in the synagogue out in Capernaum. From that, we can probably guess that he is blessed. He is intelligent, probably has a PhD in the law. We know he's dignified in every sense of the word. I can draw that just out of the idea of him being probably a Pharisee. And yet he's in a situation where he takes all decorum and chucks it out the window. And he just falls on his face at Jesus' feet. My little girl is dying. I need your help. Touch her and I know she will be healed. On the flip side, we have this woman who has been as outcast as they could be for more than a decade. I won't even describe the physical stuff. (laughs) But like the lepers that we had talked about a week or two ago, when this sort of thing would happen, a woman was unclean, outcast. Essentially, buddy-buddy with a leper. Put out to the city for a certain amount of time. Fortunately, this would normally end on its own. But for this woman, it never stopped. And ironically, the time when Jairus was so excited about the birth of his daughter 12 years ago, and all the excitement that comes with it, it's his only child. Many of you are parents, you know how exciting that can be. That was right about the time this woman's life started to end because her uncleanness started and would not stop. And she was desperate, desperate for healing, desperate so that she could become a human being again, able to to be with her family and worship and and everything about being just human. Side by side, this man is desperate for healing for his daughter. So though they come from wildly different backgrounds, they are pretty much the definition of desperation. And in front of this crowd that makes a Walmart Black Friday look like a ghost town, They get their one last shot at salvation. The woman has no money. The doctors haven't been able to cure her. The man, she's probably got minutes that his daughter's going to be alive. And for him, good news is he wins the day. Says Jesus, just touch her. All, All we need, you to just touch her, and she'll be healed. Jesus says, all right, I'm in. Let's go. Lead the way. I'm sure if you're a parent, you know that desperation. And you can probably get even a sense. I hope you never learn it for real, but the sense of the relief that comes when Jesus says, let's go. I'll do it. I'll do what you're asking. And the entourage starts to clear the path, gets the people out of the way, on the way to Jairus' house. And they're walking along. And Jairus has hope until she snipes his savior. Who touched me? Somebody touched me. I know it. Who was it? The disciples are like, Jesus, it's like New Year's Eve at Times Square. Everybody's touching you right now. What are you talking about? She's like, no. Somebody touched me. I felt the power go out from me. I need to know who it is. And this outcast woman who wanted to stay anonymous, I'm sure, because nobody was listening to her for the last 12 years, comes, and she comes before Jesus. 
And though it seems like Jesus has totally forgotten the dad who's on the verge of his daughter's death, I think what happens next, Jesus wants everybody to hear. But I'm almost positive he sets this scene up for one dad named Jairus. When the woman saw she could not remain hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This woman comes out, says, This is what happened. This is who I was. I was, had no hope. Doctors couldn't cure me. I needed a miracle, and you healed me. I think that testimony is what Jesus talks about when he says to her, your faith has made you well. You guys have heard me say many times how a saving faith results in actions, response. Not that it works the other way, that actions or works create the faith or create the salvation, but it's sort of a response to it. And a testimony is a way that that, can, that response can happen. That she says, this is who I was. I was dead. You healed me in front of the whole crowd. And I seriously think Jesus set that up so that Jairus could hear it. Because he's probably pacing pretty impatiently right about now. And so, Don, I'm going to call you out for a second here. Don't worry, there's no difficult Bible questions to this. I told Dave I need a fierce dad in the crowd right now, and you two are about as fierce as it gets. I'm going to give you a hypothetical, and God, I hope this always stays a hypothetical. But Don, let's say you, you got Katie in your arms, and you get to an ED, and you bust that ED door open. Boom! Those doors fly off the hinges. You come in. I need a doctor right now probably with a lot more volume and guts than I just used. And a doctor sees you with your daughter, your only daughter, starts taking you to a room. And before you get in there, somebody else taps the doctor on the shoulder. And the doctor stops, turns, and gives them their attention. I'm guessing, put in a PG way, you have no problem pulling out your club and using it with very unpastoral intentions to say, get in line. Is it about right? Grampy, I'm guessing probably about the same for you. If there is a life and death situation, and there is distance between my loved one and the doctor, I got no problem showing Newark what Chicago road rage looks like. Got no problem throwing elbows if something or someone gets in the way. Heck, dropped in that situation, I bet we could get Bev Meyer to throw an elbow. <laughs> but I imagine Jairus is just going antsy. Man, like he just chugged a gallon of Red Bull. We were on our way, Jesus. We're running out of time, so let's go! Your daughter's dead. It's over. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Jesus is too late. Jairus' daughter 
And all his hope died waiting in line for Jesus. Just not fair. Sometimes waiting for God kills us. It kills our flesh to make room for what God is doing. It kills our too small dreams to make room for God-sized realities. Is God fair? No. And you know what? Thank heavens for that. Because if God was fair, we'd have been goners from the first breath. But he gives Jairus a bit of hope. And this is why I think Jesus stopped and spoke to the woman. Because he reminds Jairus in hearing that testimony, he reminds us that the Jesus right before him is not a Jesus with a miracle allowance. Like, he can only do one a day. Like, Jesus just has this pouch of miracle dust, and he just poured it all out over the outcast. Like, that's all he's got. Jesus is a Jesus without limits. No quota on how many miracles he's allowed to do. No limit on how much hope he is able to give somebody. No scale that can contain the enormity of what he can do in and through a person. And he says, don't worry. Have faith. Believe. Jairus, you just saw me do a miracle in healing this woman who could not be cured by any doctor out there. You just saw her testify to how I saved her life. And you know what? I did it 10 seconds ago, Jairus. I can do it again. And he goes into Jairus' house and he takes his little girl's hand. He says, child, get up. And the dead girl obeys. Don't be afraid to ask God for the big prayer. To pray for the miracle. God's not scared by the enormity of your situation. He looks at the things that we would bring to him, even if it requires a miracle, and goes, I got that. And ten seconds later, he could go, you know what, I got it again. Don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big your God is. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week in the Woodlane Worship Podcast.